Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, for a babysitter, the four young children she cares for are not what is terrifying about her job. A visit to a former plantation has everyone in the room talking, even those who are not living. A little girl's imaginary friend has a documented history from centuries ago. And a curse is placed on the father. A family goes to great lengths to restore peace and bring daddy back. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm interested in our stories today. They sound rather, uh, rather creepy. Yeah, but you know, there's something about creepy stories, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, we should do a show about that. <laughs> you know, where they talk about them for like an hour or something every day. Just, uh, I think it probably go over pretty well. I think there might be an audience for it. Think? It's possibly. Not quite sure. Yeah. Welcome to uh, knitting with Jenny and Tony. Today, we're going to tell you how to do a wonderful crochet. Um, is that in my? My terminology right there, a crochet with, is that different? I is have it? no idea. I don't know. I'm not crafty that way. Um, what I'm interested in here was that little girl's imaginary friend and some documentation being found because all too often that doesn't exist. I know. So I'm interested in, uh, in hearing about that. Hey, it's funny how the internets work and how something uh, that uh, has been out there for quite a while can suddenly kind of resurface and suddenly everybody's like really excited about it. Okay. I I, re- I posted on our website today because it's uh, it's floating around out there, and I guess this is something that's been on there uh, on YouTube since it's like 2009, I guess. <clears throat> and it's uh, this video of uh, and people are talking about it of uh, Disneyland security camera allegedly. Okay. Okay. And it's pretty creepy. Now, could this be doctored up? Sure. Could there be a thousand things? Yeah. Uh, other than a ghost but if it is what it it, it is pur- purportedly being okay it's creepy suddenly out of nowhere kind of near the haunted mansion yeah. area this thing like this white figure kind of appears out of a flash almost like how you would see an orb kind of appear in video and I've seen real ones appear and it kind of goes down this path and it looks like someone's walking and then it goes up to the next thing and the next camera it's on uh, that's catching the next area and it just kind of moves around and it's a pretty full-figured apparition-like. Okay. It's creepy. It's on the website right now if you want to see it. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Um, but uh, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's BS, it's this or that. Eh, you know, no one's going to ever be able to substantiate the thing. But 
take it for what it's worth. If you want to see kind of a creepy video that does look like it could possibly be legitimate, it's good. See, in my mind, if all the places in the world that would have the technology and the endless amount of money to come up with something like this, it would be Disney. Sure. And the thing is, it's not put out by Disney. This is like somebody that it looks like they're videotaping a security camera with their own camera. Okay. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, it's supposedly a little bit older film because it was, it did come out in 2009. You can track when the, Originally hit the internet. Now, is this Disneyland or Disney Land. World? Land. Land, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's, uh, it is interesting. <laughs> I will say that. Um, the thing is, that when you get the videos online of ghosts, you know, quote unquote, everybody's like, you're going to have a ton that are going to be like, oh, it's, it's BS. You're going to have a ton that's saying it's real. You're going to have a ton that's like, oh, we can't prove it. There's yet, there, there will never be a video of a ghost that shows up anywhere that will ever be 100% anyone saying this is the real deal. Right. It just won't. Right. There's always going to be somebody that's going to say, yeah, it could be this. But you just got to take them for what they're worth. So I'm just saying I don't know. Okay. Because I don't know. So And that's kind of what we say on the whole show the whole time. I don't know. So it's as good as most of our stories. Okay. So check it out. It's interesting. RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. While you're there, well, it might not be a bad idea to click that uh, Become an EPP button. Huh? Huh? Support the show. Keep it going. We'd love that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Jennifer writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny. Uh, I just discovered your podcast and have become an EPP. $5 per month is reasonable and worth it to keep you going. All of us spend more than that on just going to a fast food place. Love your show. Smiley face. Thank you. Uh, I have uh, had many paranormal experiences during my lifetime, but this story is from the early 1980s when I was a teenager and lived in Maryland. Back then, the paranormal was not mainstream, and the only paranormal program we could watch was In Search Of... At age 12, I started... Do you remember In Search Of? No. I barely remember it. Really? Yeah, I mean, Unsolved Mysteries kind of came out a little bit after that, but uh, it was it was along those kind of lines, if you will. Okay. At age 12, I started babysitting for a family. I was very fond of in my neighborhood. The parents were very sweet, and so were the four little ones they had. They were also very religious, Christian family whose lives revolved around the church. At homework time... I used to have to help the kids memorize their assigned Bible verses for school. I had to do that, too. I hated it. Yeah. If you could go back to tell me one thing, or, or what would you like to eliminate from your uh, your childhood school days? Mm-hmm. Be that. Every, and they got worse as you got older. Yeah. By, like, fifth grade, it was like, okay, memorize these two pages, and then you have to go recite it verbatim. It's part of your grade. Your overall grade, because I went to a, uh, a Lutheran school in Wisconsin for, See, until fifth grade. Those of us public school kids didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't fair, and it wasn't fair that then it went against your actual overall grade. It's like it just it was just sheer memorization, and oh god, I hated that. Continuing on, and I'm not saying I hated the content. I hated having to memorize shit. Yeah, it's just it's like why, 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 why. From the first time I entered the home, I got a very uneasy feeling. The feeling never went away over the next four years that I worked for them. Mostly little weird things would happen, either to me or them. I'd also make sure to lock the basement door when I arrived as it gave me serious goosebumps. 
I never went down there and forbid the kids from going down there when I was there. It did not help the creep factor that the house was mainly or minimally furnished, with the living room and dining room being completely empty. There were no curtains or shades either. I know that they were struggling financially, and at least the family room had furniture and a TV. Likewise, the bedrooms were also spartan, with only a bed and each and a dresser. Babysitting during daylight hours was a little unnerving, as I just kept having this chronic feeling of uneasiness. But as a teen, I needed the money, so I kept going back. The kids were adorable, and I just uh, uh, busied myself with them so that I didn't think about the uneasiness I felt. I cringed when I had to go babysit at night. I could feel eyes boring into me, no matter what part of the house I was in. Although the majority of the time we were in the family room, it would get more eerie after I put the kids to bed. I'd turn off the TV for a welcome distraction, but it always felt like someone was in the family room peering at me. I was not very savvy back then about ghosts or the paranormal. In retrospect, I would have done prayers and a cleansing. On a side note, I babysat for other families during this time period and never had any problem, only at this one house. One summer day, I was on the first floor and the kids were out back playing. I heard the most god-awful crash on the second floor. The closest way I could describe it was that it sounded as if an entire cabinet full of china had been pushed over and it all crashed and broke all over the floor. The floor actually shook over my head. I was shaking like a leaf and ran outside to gather the kids and head to a neighbor's house for help. I wanted him to call the police. I was sure that someone had actually gotten into the house. Well, this neighbor was very brave or very stupid did a search of the upstairs and nothing was out of place we all stayed down at my house until their mom got home and I told her what had happened she didn't have much to say I think she was stunned or hiding something from me another time I babysat for a couple of days in a row when the parents went away and I opened the garage door and there were millions of maggots crawling over the garage floor It was like a scene straight out of a horror story. The floor was a sea of wiggling, worm-like things. This garage was enormous, so imagine the horror of seeing that. I discovered that the parents forgot to put a trash can outside, but the sheer volume of creepy crawlies all over the place could not be explained away by one trash can. Maggots stay near their food source. I spent hours cleaning the garage out with Ajax and a hose. Disgusting beyond description and typical of the weird things that went on there. When I was 16, after four years of babysitting for the family, I went up to babysit again. As usual, but the mom had a very weird look on her face and said that she had something to tell me, but she didn't want to scare me. She said that she and her husband were constantly hearing footsteps and walking on the second floor when nobody was up there. I can't remember my response, but I felt at least I wasn't crazy. I knew something resided there. Considering this revelation came from super religious people who didn't believe in ghosts, it was incredible news. Shortly thereafter, they put the house up for sale and then they moved to another state. Looking back, our old neighborhood had been built on what was previously a farm. I heard that the prior farm resident had hung himself. Not sure if that had anything to do with the haunt. Their property also felt strange as soon as I stepped into their yard. I didn't like it. Maybe the land was the problem. 
I also find it's curious in all of the families I did babysit for. This particular family was the religious one, and the one being haunted. You know, I think it's one of those cases where it's something that's kind of negative that just lingers on the property. Mm -hmm. But had it not been a family that did make their religious practices such an integral part of their day, then, you know, the the spirit may have been kind of indifferent. That may have been what upset the spirit. Kind of like a trigger? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not at all saying that if you're religious, you're going to you know, make things worse. That may mm-hmm. have just been the case this time to where, I don't know. What do you think? I think it could very well be a trigger. I mean, you could also make the argument the other way too. If the folks were, uh, I mean, depending on, you know, one's religious views, someone can make the argument of, uh, you know, if they didn't have that in their life, it could have been that much worse. And maybe this was kind of keeping it somewhat at bay. Sure. You know, it yeah. could really go both ways with no real right answer. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know that their religious views played into it. Um, I, I, I'll say this. I think it played into it one way or the other. Okay. Either your way or my way, and I don't know. Okay. Because yours makes sense. I think mine would make sense, but it would be hard to say what's what. Sure. Um, I, I'm wondering, um, uh, just like with the weirdness of the maggots and everything, that's what kind of makes me think there's something darker going on here. Sure. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, your friendly neighborhood dead ghost or dead neighbor that's still haunting the property is not necessarily bringing plagues of maggots to the garages of its uh, its residents. Um, it makes me wonder, you know, sometimes nature will play into uh, reality, if you will. Or factual things, you know, and maggots do tend to uh, crawl, like they said, and and be on their food source. So to be all over a garage floor without a food source, it's rather bizarre. Sure. Um, I mean, that right there made me wonder, what was this thing built on? Not necessarily the guy that hung himself. I'm thinking more so, what's under this house? Well, the reason that I kind of thought maybe the the religious practices stirred it up is is being that the original property was divided up and several houses were built upon it and mm-hmm. this is the only one that seems to have any issue. Yeah. That made me wonder if that was the one thing that was different, if that was stirring the pot, but Sure. I don't know. You could be very right too in thinking that's the only thing keeping it at bay. It's just odd that it's just that <clears throat> particular house and they're not all Experiencing something. I'm wondering if there's a sea of bodies underneath that garage. Why would there still be maggots if it's like old bodies? Because I don't know. I'm sure they're fully, you know, down to skeleton. Yeah, because they're a maggot meal. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's. I. I just. I wonder if there's something to playing there. I don't know. Uh, Theo. Writes in Hello Tony and Jenny. My story is based around a historic building in uh, Stoughton, Virginia, that is uh, now occupied by uh, Stoughton's Parks and Recreations offices. It used to be the home of a rich family sometime before the Civil War. The building was built by the patriarch of the family. He had a few children and started living there, and they had a lot of slaves. Those who died were buried on the property with unmarked graves. All the family died there, and then it went through plenty of generations. 
The one time that I've been there is when I went on a ghost tour with uh, some ghost hunters. My best friend and I went with a group of 15 or so. One of the investigators told us about experiences and the history that happened in and around the building. A few notable ones are that many people see the wife of the family staring out of the window into the courtyard. Also on a few tours, they have been seen, they've seen black figures running through the yard. After that, we went down to the cellar to spend the rest of our time using a spirit box. The cellar is a kind of a big room with a door to the right after you walk in. Keep this in mind. We sat down on a row of chairs. They had few electronically activated dolls that apparently the ghost-like and they would set off, some being activated by motion, light, and sound. We were told about the ghost that resides in the basement. The person using the spirit box sat at a table, and usually a young slave boy around my age, 14 to 16, would stand over her shoulder and just stand there. Unfortunately, we didn't see the spirit. Apparently, you can also see shadow people moving around sometimes. We turned off the lights and started asking questions. Just simple stuff, really. Are you a slave? Do you like horses? Etc. A while in, I started to see movement in the back of the cellar that was near the stairs, which thoroughly freaked me out. A while through this, a man started hearing voices, having conversations from behind the door that I mentioned earlier. Later, the people around him started commenting on it. Also, even my friend noticed, but I don't have a very good hearing, so I didn't notice it. We were finishing up the session when one of the light-sensitive dolls went off. These were Halloween dolls that made creepy noises. The thing was that the only light source in the room was from a candle, which scared the hell out of the people near it. That is one of my few unexplained experiences that I've had. I also have one question about an experience I had a week ago. I went outside to get something out of my parents' car. I unlocked it from inside and then went out. When I got to the car, it randomly locked, and I could smell a weird smell in the air. Neither of my parents touched the keys, and the car has no troubles. My question, can ghosts give out smells? I love your show, and you've made it made me lose a ton of sleep. Thanks for reading. Well, I will say, and this may not be the case with that car, but my car has locked itself on me before because that's what it does if you don't open the doors after a set amount of time when you unlock it. Actually, I've looked into that, and your car does not do that. My car does not do that? But it does do that. Okay, it's not supposed to do that from from the manufacturer? I'm kidding. Okay, don't mess with me on the show. (laughs) Because it did that to me one time. Sure, it does. It, yeah. And so they do that. Typically, when you have the key in the ignition, it, it should do that. I don't believe they're supposed to do that uh, without the key. I think uh, passenger doors do. I don't believe the driver's door is supposed to. That's... I could be wrong. Okay. But I don't believe... I think the key should be in the ignition for that to actually occur. See, I've had it... And this was with my last car, to where if I unlocked it, and mm-hmm. then I just didn't go out as quick as I thought I would, mm-hmm. that after a set amount of time, the doors would lock on their own back. I think that's dependent on how you're unlocking it. Meaning if you're using the key fob. Okay. Or in the car. Okay. Um, ghost giving off smells. Probably not, you know, not 
that often, but sometimes you get that like cigar sure. smell of somebody old. And yeah, I mean, I think it really kind of depends on on the ghost. Yeah. Um, typically, your darker ones have kind of a rank smell, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I haven't used that word in a long time. No. Um, you get the old lady perfume ones a lot. Yeah, and that tends to be more the human type ones where it's like cigar, perfume, or just kind of, you know, whatever they smelled like. Mothballs. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, usually if you have a ghost and if it smells really bad, that's not usually the sign of a good ghost. Yeah. That's where you should probably uh, go get yourself a little bit of sage. Make some stuffing and clean your house. It's a different kind of sage. <laughs> I wish it was the same. No, it's not. I, I know, but I wish but it you're going to have listeners smudging their house with turkey stuffing sage. I would just smudge your house with turkey stuffing. Just stovetop. Just take it and put it all around the house. Hey, it, it does wonders. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. I think they would... Uh, if you went to a garden center... No. And you asked him, they would know what type of sage you're looking for? Probably not. Hmm. Interesting. Is it going to be dried? Is it be fresh? I don't know. We should look into that. What? Nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if you know any of these answers. Uh, Annie writes in. Is it Anne or Annie? A-N-N-E. Annie. Annie? Okay. I was born in Nashville, Tennessee and lived there with my family until we moved when I was five. The few memories I have of Nashville are vague because I was so young. As a child, I had many imaginary friends and I used to talk to my stuffed animals and pretend they were alive. Usual kid stuff. The only thing that kind of freaked out my mom was one imaginary friend I had named Tusky. My imaginary friends usually came and went, but Tusky was my playmate until we moved to another city. When I asked about Tusky, I said that he had tan skin, black hair, and was almost naked. Upon pushing for more, I described Tusky as wearing kind of a napkin on his wee-wee, which my mom interpreted as a loincloth. Considering that I had just recently mastered the English language and did not have the attention span to watch the movies like Tarzan all the way through, my mom considered that I could have befriended a ghost. My mom isn't really a spiritual person and doesn't truly believe uh, I used to play with and talk to a ghost, but I think it could have been paranormal. Upon doing research, I found that this native tribe of Shawnee populated the area around Nashville and that our own neighborhood was built on a, nar- a native burial ground. To top it all off, I found a list of rec- uh, recorded Shawnee natives. One from the 1700s was named Tuscarigo. Do you think that it's really I befriended or that Tusky is just another imaginary friend? I'm going to have to go with, I think it's more than imaginary friend. That's a pretty interesting name. It is. And, you know, if you hadn't seen Tarzan or Jungle Book or any of those movies when you're little, you probably hadn't, haven't seen too many things on TV or whatever with Indians and loincloths. Mm-hmm. So that's not your typical, oh, my imaginary friend looks exactly like me kind of situation. Yeah, that's a little little different. It's just the uniqueness of the name, and I could see that. Yeah, I, I'm going with you had a, a ghost imaginary friend. Yeah, I think so. Didn't uh, 
your mom she w- did when she was a kid yeah and, and didn't it look kind of like that too uh-huh it was like in the native american garb yeah if you will. uh a lo- basically he wore like um mom said he wore they she called them like shorts like skin shorts okay i'm thinking it was a loincloth and moccasins and that was all he wore interesting yeah and then it kind of goes back to you wonder about uh how you you dress as a ghost so staying with period mm-hmm. and staying with what you normally wore I, I think it's probably what you're comfortable in yeah isn't i mean doesn't that, it seems to be you know what people enjoyed wearing Mom's imaginary friend slash ghost friend was older than her. So it was just a really peculiar mix of things that made up this person to where it just isn't what somebody that age would have come up with. A three-year-old. How much older? She said that he was probably, looking back, he was probably like eight or nine. Okay. Where she's three or four. Sure, yeah, normally when you have an imaginary friend, isn't it kind of usually around the same age? Yeah. And when most kids yeah. are doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that story with us. Laura writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I'd like to tell you about a house my family lived in when I was growing up in Auckland, New Zealand. During this time, my parents were having a little trouble with the mortgage and decided to rent out the house we owned and move in with another family, my godmother's family, to see if both families could cut costs this way. My godmother's house was a pretty 1920s bungalow with enough room for both families. My parents slept in the sleepout that was in the backyard. The sleepout was actually pretty nice. It had its own wood burner. It was pretty cozy. My brother and I had rooms side by side in the main house, two narrow bedrooms with built-in wardrobes at one end and a big sash windows at the other. Both families got on well and our bedrooms were nice, but somehow we just never wanted to be in them. It's hard to explain, but those rooms were just not comfortable to be in. And mine especially. I was a big reader, but I would go in there, flop down on my bed to read, but just couldn't settle. You'd constantly be looking up or realize you hadn't taken in uh, any of the words because you were just listening. Although for what, you didn't know. Neither of us liked to have the doors to those rooms closed, although in a house with two families, you often wanted some privacy. You didn't really think about it as a kid. You just got up and went out of the room and found somewhere else to be. Anyway, if daytime was bad, nighttime was worse. It was distracting, and the daylight was extremely unpleasant then. I could never settle. I always felt weird and sometimes actually queasy. Oftentimes, we'd beg our parents to let us sleep out back in the sleep out with them, even though we considered ourselves far too old for that kind of thing and would have been mortified if our friends had found out. Eventually, we moved back into our own house. I probably would not have thought anything more about it, except that after we moved out of my godmother's house, a young mother and her daughter, who was a toddler, moved in. The daughter had my old room, and every night she would stand up in her cot and say good night to the old woman she saw outside the window. They left quicker than we did, and after that, a variety of people had the room. One woman who stayed there, worked, uh, who none of us kids liked because she was bossy and aggressive, said she was woken up by some unseen person punching her in the face. The creepiest part for me came several years later when I was eavesdropping on my mother and godmother chatting about the house, and I heard them wonder if the activity in the room had anything to do with the previous occupant. An old woman who had hung herself there 
I got a question. Because this has come up a few times. What is the correct way of saying this? An old woman who had hanged herself there or an old woman who had hung herself there? I hmm. I say hung, but when listeners write in, I see a lot of hanged herself there or hanged the ED. I don't honestly know. Um, to me, they both sound correct, but I know obviously one's wrong. So if somebody would let us know yeah. the I, proper, because we do honestly yeah. have to say that quite a bit <laughs> I, uh, I I always change it as I'm reading and say hung themselves because to me that just feels more okay. correct but I could be completely wrong it could be one of those phrases where it is the other way and I'm just totally off because of my Wisconsin training and language skills okay so no uh, somebody let us know so yeah. it's no no because no. it'll come up again yeah what made my flesh crawl was that the instant I heard that I could suddenly identify the weird and comfortable feeling I'd had at night in that room. It was like hearing that you'd spent the night in some strange old lady's bed without knowing it. Still creeps me out. Skeptics I know could say that I projected that knowledge back onto my experience, but I know that isn't so, and the other people experiencing things seem to vindicate me somehow too. Since that time, I've often had a strong sense of atmosphere in certain places, and I generally pay attention to it. Thanks. I love your show. That's just unnerving to put all those pieces together and realize you were creeped out in a room that somebody had died in. Mm -hmm. So I would think that it had something to do with that, but whether or not it predated the person who died... Hanged or hung themselves? Yeah, yeah. I'm avoiding yeah. that until we find out the right way to say it. Yeah, I, what's interesting about it is if it is that person, it sounds like they had somewhat of an affinity for children. They didn't seem like the little little girl just waved and said hi to it. I mean, it made him unsettled, yeah. which I think in almost any case, good or bad ghost, you're a kid. And if you're aware of the presence, you're going to feel a little bit unsettled. Um but it didn't like seem to try and do anything to the kids. Like the, like I said, the one girl just waved. Uh, but the one lady, the adult, who was kind of cranky and aggressive towards children, this woman, if it is the same thing, was kind of aggressive towards the aggressive woman. Yeah. Maybe it was one of those things where she was hanging out, but she also was well aware of who was around. And No pun intended. What do you mean? Hanging out. Ha yeah, hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. I didn't think about that. It's interesting. You know, mm -hmm. can you, as a ghost, go after uh, uh, asshole people? Can you be an ass soul, as some would say it, to assholes? I would think so. There's people <laughs> in real life when you're alive that you, you're like, I just wish I could punch that person. I think I'd make that my, if I get to be a ghost and go around, my whole mission is just going to be to go around and just make life miserable for assholes. Okay. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> you want to join me in that? No. What are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go around and punch people in the face. Well, not necessarily punch them, but just, you know, mess with them. Make life a psychological thriller. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. Jessica writes in, Hello, guys. My name's Jessica. I recently came across your show on a podcast and immediately was hooked. Like everyone else that calls and writes in, I'd like to share my story. The house I live in currently, uh, I've lived in for about 14 and a half years. Since moving in, I've never experienced anything out of the ordinary or paranormal until 11 years later. It started happening around mid-June. 
I just graduated high school and was enjoying my summer. One sunny summer day, I started noticing something change within the atmosphere of my home. It was very dark, even when the shades were open, but I noticed it was especially dark in my parents' room. I didn't think much of it until I started to feel uneasy. I'm not at all a skeptic. In fact, I've always had an interest in the paranormal, but never really thought I'd experience it. One night, as I was lying in bed, dozing off, not quite asleep, I suddenly felt a heavy feeling on my chest. As I tried to take a deep breath, thinking maybe I just needed to take a deep breath, I could not. As I opened my eyes, my mattress dropped. It was as if I was lifted. As soon as I opened my eyes, it just dropped. It scared me so bad I slept in the living room the rest of the night. The next morning, I explained to my dad what had happened, and the reaction he gave me was something I didn't expect. He looked scared and speechless. To try and maybe make it a little less awkward, I told him maybe I was just too tired or had a falling dream, even though I knew I was not dreaming. His only reply to me was, pray. A few days passed, and I had not felt anything nor experienced anything. My mom had gone out of town with my youngest brother, and the second youngest went to spend his summer vacation with his godfather in San Diego. It was just me and my dad at home. One night, around 2.30 a.m., as I got up to use the restroom, I noticed my parents' bedroom light was still on. I thought to myself, maybe my dad left it on when he fell asleep. I opened the door and sat lying in bed with his back towards the door. I went around their bed to turn off the light when I heard my dad say, Don't turn it off! As I turned to look at him over my left shoulder, my dad looked uh, like he had just seen a ghost. His eyes were wide open and blood shot red, but they were staring at a corner and would not turn to look at me. I looked at him and replied, Dad, you've worked at 5 a.m. You should be asleep. And all he could say was, don't turn it off. I left the light on as I walked out of his bedroom. I contemplated whether I should close his door or leave it open. All I could think about was the incident that happened to me. Could my house really be haunted? But how so after all these years and barely knew, and barely now, I could not sleep. After that, thoughts were flooding, my mind and prayers were spilling out of me. I was hoping and praying that whatever was in my house could just go away. After that night, my dad wasn't the same. He was isolating himself, refusing to do anything, but just get up and go to work. He was just not fully there. And I knew something was wrong. That was not my dad. When my mom finally came home, it was a sense of relief. I didn't feel so helpless as I had felt, but the situation didn't seem to get any better. One afternoon, as my family gathered at my house having a barbecue, having a good time, a family friend was here from out of town. She also happened to be a medium. At the time, I had no clue she was a medium. In fact, no one did. As I was sitting, eating my food, she suddenly tapped on my shoulder and asked me if I could show her the restroom. I thought it was odd, being that she had been to my house before, but I agreed. As I showed her the restroom, she suddenly blurted out the question, How long has this been going on? I looked at her with a puzzled look, and I immediately knew what she was talking about. It was just me and her in the house. Everyone else was in the backyard. I told her I wasn't exactly sure and told her about what I had experienced. 
She told me she felt an evil presence and it wanted something. She turned around and headed towards my parents' bedroom. I was scared to follow, but I did anyway. She refused to step foot inside the room. She just stayed outside the bedroom door, staring in as if she was trying to figure something out. I was so scared. I left her there and went back outside. More than a half hour later, she asked us to leave the house and asked only my grandma, my mom, my dad, and my dad's brother to stay. She sent the rest of us off somewhere, nowhere near my house. I thought that was odd. When I guess it was safe to return, I walked in my house, and the air and the environment was different. You were able to breathe. You no longer felt the uneasy feeling. The house was peaceful, as was my dad. I knew they had done some kind of blessing or something, but I never asked what or how. I just left the situation alone, never brought it up, and never asked any questions. I was just overjoyed at the fact that everything was going to be okay. Months after, I overheard my grandma and my mom talking about what had happened. I learned that someone had practiced black magic on my dad and utilized an article of his clothing. I don't know much about it or how it was used and for exactly what, but it completely freaked me out. The only people that ever enter our house and roam it freely are family members. No strangers or anyone we know that would want to do any harm. They had placed two malignant spirits in our home to torment my dad physically and mentally that would tell him to kill himself. They wanted my dad dead for what we will never know. I've never asked my dad about what happened. I feel it's a touchy subject with him, and it's something I want to put behind us. All I know is I have my daddy back, and we are more devoted to God now than ever before. We did eventually find out who was behind the black magic, but that's another story. I'll definitely submit soon. Thanks for letting me share my story. I love your show, and keep up the great work. That's a really good story. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad that they were able to find out what was going on before it was too late. Because it sounded like it was getting, you know, really bad, really fast. That sort of stuff really creeps me out. Yeah. Where it's like human beings with the intention to do something Mm -hmm. and somehow have the ability to do it. Right. Because it's like you can be a victim. Anyone can be a victim, you know? Yeah. Of that. And that's what really is just, it's creepy. It, just the, it, and I've heard in different ways of, of people viewing this, and I don't know what's true. I don't know what's not true, because I don't really know a whole hell of a lot about the subject other than what stories we've gotten in on this, um, is um, that the person who is essentially being victimized by whatever it is also has to believe in whatever is going on is going on or believe in the entity or believe that it's a possibility. If you don't believe in it from what I understand, and this could be completely wrong. So someone feel free to fill us in on this, on the the message board or something. Um, If the person doesn't believe in it, um, that it doesn't necessarily take effect. I could be wrong on that, but I, I have heard that as a way of viewing this. Okay. Topic. Now, I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if you can prove it one way or the other. 
But if someone would like to fill us in on that up on the message board or the forum section or a letter, whatever, that'd be fine. Now you're saying the person who, in this case, put the curse on has to believe wholeheartedly or the person who is the victim of the curse? Well, the person who's a victim of the curse because the person who's putting the curse on very likely believes Uh in it in most cases, I guess, you know, Um, but the the victim also has to believe in that that the power to do that exists okay essentially they can't be like yeah that's you know hocus pocus not true can't happen uh that's my understanding okay could be wrong but that's i i know that that is a a take on it with some people if okay you will. and this is really it's an opinion thing sure um but uh so i don't believe there's any scientific studies about this is there about curses yeah the only thing I can think of that comes to mind is uh, people that take lava rocks from Hawaii. And I think it's one specific volcano. Mm-hmm. But they take it and they know full well the folklore and the, the curse behind it. Mm-hmm. That if you take it, you're supposed to be cursed and all these bad things will happen. So much so that people are like, I don't believe that. And they take these rocks that Hawaii apparently has set up a specific address for mailing these rocks back because so many of them come back really yeah because they want to return them to the the volcano Uh because essentially they believe it belongs to i believe it's a goddess but i'm not sure i probably have that all botched but i know that there is a address that you send these lava rocks to to send them back because people want to get rid of the curse wow so essentially, they, they take it home thinking, yeah, uh, hocus pocus. Yeah. And then suddenly, stuff starts happening. So they want to get rid and of like, that. Okay, sending the rock back now. Yeah. What if it got lost in the mail on the way back? Would you? That would be bad. You're kind of stuck with the curse thing. Can you, would, can you like send that like certified? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, uh, I wonder where the lava rocks came from that my dad brought home when I was a kid. <laughs> I don't know. He brought home some lava rocks. They were in my room for a long time. They're probably in one of the boxes and of stuff see, in the garage. I think it has to be from a specific volcano. volcano. Sure, sure. Interesting. I'm sure someone will fill us in on that one, too. Yeah, that would be nice to know the, the whole story. <laughs> and what volcano to avoid. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would be fun to take some souvenirs back. Just want the cursed ones. That's all. You know? Right. Um, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also write in on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you listen to us on iTunes and you enjoy the show, take a couple seconds and give us some positive reviews there. Greatly appreciate that. That helps us grow uh, in the rankings. Uh, so if you like it and it's worth it to you, uh, you know, five seconds of your time, uh, give us a little uh, little something nice written there. A couple, uh, you know, maybe five stars or something. That would be greatly appreciated rosario writes in hi thanks for letting me share i had a boyfriend when i lived in virginia we'd often go visit his mother sarah who lived in a house in danville virginia she had inherited the house from her father after his death sarah's father was a lonely old man that lived by himself in conditions of squalor until his death he'd been very religious and after his death of his last wife he stayed single and lived alone in this house that he had made himself He's very attached to the house and the things in them. In the time between his passing and his daughter's move into the house, the house was uninhabited for some time. During this time, freaky local teenagers would sneak in and use the house to practice satanic rituals. They dirtied the already dirty house with feces and blood. Upon moving into the house, Sarah had to clean all that crap off the walls. 
She eventually repainted and remodeled the house, but when I went to visit the first couple of times, it still looked dismal. The old-time furniture was still in its place, and there were pictures and paintings of some dead relatives hung on the walls. I did not feel comfortable there. To make matters worse, Sarah had mentioned that although she was, for the most part, alone in the house, she did not feel alone because she could feel the presence of her daddy. She told me that she could see his ghost hovering over her in bed. To her, this was very comforting. To me, hearing this was entertaining, since I enjoy ghost stories, but I cannot say that I had ever seen a ghost, nor was I prepared to do that. My boyfriend and I visited Sarah in Danville. We would usually stay for the weekend. I did not like spending time there because she was bipolar and always exhibited very weird behavior. Sometimes she was extremely manic and sometimes she was so depressed she barely looked at us. Through the veil of her weird demeanor, I could always notice a hint of evil. She was not well in her head, but deep down she was just not a good person at all. For example, she knew me and her son lived together and shared a room. Still, she used her old-fashioned house owner authority to make us have to sleep in separate rooms in her house. This was utterly ridiculous, and she was not old-fashioned at all in other matters. It was almost like she was trying to hurt our relationship. This one weekend that we were visiting her, she was not feeling too festive and went to sleep early, leaving my boyfriend and me drinking some wine by ourselves in the kitchen. The kitchen overlooked her bedroom and a little room in between her room and the kitchen. My boyfriend and I were having laughs and talking about something when my gaze shifted into this little room. This was an unconscious act. It was like my attention was called at an unconscious level to that specific corner of the little room. For fractions of a second, I discerned a small blue light that seemed to be hovering in the air at head height. As soon as I had looked at it, it flew away from sight. My instinctual reaction to this was to think that it was a car light reflecting off a window or mirror. I looked around to see where the reflection might have come from. After a minute or so of inspecting, I realized we were on the side of the house that overlooked a glass fee or grass field that there could not be a car light reaching that little room crunched in between the kitchen and Sarah's bedroom. I looked at my boyfriend and asked if he saw that, and he said, yes, I saw it too. I just felt like looking that way too. Then he proceeded to tell me that I should not be afraid and that the good laughs in the house may have spiked the curiosity of the spirits. I was too spooked by then and it would have been up to me. I would have left the house in the middle of the night and gone home, but I could not do that. I told my boyfriend that he had to sleep in the same bed with me against his mom's rules. He understood my fear and slept with me. This got him in huge trouble with Sarah, even after explaining what happened. This worked to my advantage because now she was pissed, and the best thing for us to do was to get out of there to my relief. I don't know what that was, but it sure spooked me. I had to go in that house again reluctantly after that, but then my boyfriend's relationship with Sarah got really bad, and soon we were not welcome there anymore. Sarah spends a lot of time in that house. She does not go out much and has a lot of difficulties communicating with people, so she drinks, cooks, and spends mostly all of her time behind those walls. I don't think she's crazy because of the ghosts. She was always crazy, but I think secluding herself in that house must not have been good for her mental state either. But these are just speculations, of course. Thanks for 
letting me tell my story. My question for you is, how common is it for spirits to manifest themselves as shiny, floating lights? Also, I'd like to see a ghost and be sure it was a ghost. I have been to ghost tours, but seen nothing. Can you two recommend a place that, in your opinion, would be very likely to encounter a ghost? Thank you. Okay, Tony, where do you go to see a ghost? Where do you go to see a ghost? Um, well, the only place I've ever seen a ghost was in uh, West Bend, Wisconsin. Yeah. In that uh, tower. And according to those folks, they had a, quite an active ghost season last October with a lot of people seeing stuff in that building. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my only experience uh, as far as actually seeing yeah, I've I've heard things, I've experienced things, but I've never seen anything until that time in that window. Um, where I mean, there's plenty of haunted cities to go check out and uh, have your luck at. Um, you know, we didn't see anything or or hear anything or experience anything when we were in Savannah, but a lot of people do. Um, I would say go to a city or an area that's likely very haunted. You. I think it just goes back to some people can and some people can't. Yeah. And some ghosts want you to see them and some ghosts don't. I think anyone is capable of seeing one Mm -hmm. if the ghost wants you to see them. I think uh, some people are going to be more sensitive to them and pick them up even when the ghosts don't want them to see them. And see, that's what I was going to say. It may not be a matter of the ghost being like, eh, I don't want to show myself to you. It's maybe more of a... I didn't see your beacon, so I'm not going to show myself. Yeah. Some people have a brighter light than others, and I think that kind of ties back into some people can and some people can't. It's kind of like, remember when you were a kid, mm-hmm. and there was like, uh, it was like activity books, and there'd be that that red film that you'd put over some pages, and then yeah. suddenly you'd see things that otherwise you, you couldn't see. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that. I think some people have a film, uh-huh. essentially, where they can see the things that other people can't. So, sure. And, and that's just how it is. And I think it's a very natural, normal thing. Um, it's just, I think, the population that has it is smaller than the ones that don't. Now, as far as her other question mm-hmm. on the shiny, bright orbs, yeah. I think that just depends on the type of ghost it is. Yeah, I, I've heard many stories of people actually seeing orbs outside of films mm-hmm. and, and catching it on camera. It, it happens um, quite common, I think. Yeah, uh, It's actually, I think, one of the more common things people to see as opposed to a full-bodied apparition. Mm-hmm. It's like, what was that? Um, so, um, on to the, uh, uh, the, the, the issues of, and this is not a question from them, but it sounds to me like this is a story of someone who does obviously suffer with some mental illnesses. Uh-huh. Um, who, you know, hopefully she has some sort of treatment or whatnot. It doesn't sound like she does. Um, but uh, obviously the isolation is hurting that I think would not be good for that, that type of a person. Right. Um, but unfortunately, too, with that, um, time and time again, it seems to be a magnet or magnet for... Uh-huh for activity. Well, I find it interesting that Sarah inherited the house from her father who mm-hmm. showed this behavior to begin with sure. and then she started showing the behavior. Yeah. It makes you wonder if it isn't the atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. It's like a toxic mix. I mean, maybe not saying that he had, you know, 
bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. but, you know, possibly that after losing, it sounded like a couple of spouses, yeah. probably because of age and whatever happens, that, you know, he may not have been feeling the greatest anymore. So yeah. he kind of went off to, to be by himself. So there kind of is a, a depressive type element yeah. there as well. And then if you're there in a place where these things happen to also reside, you can become the attraction for them. Yeah. If you will. So thank you for the uh, the letter. We really do appreciate that. One more letter today. Zach writes in, hi, guys. I'm new to the podcast and absolutely love it. I was also extremely excited to hear some Trailer Park Boy references as well. I've always been fascinated and equally terrified by paranormal activity, which I feel I've experienced a fair amount of time in my life. I'm from Saskatchewan, and uh, we have a fairly well-known paranormal phenomenon, the St. Louis Ghost Train. The St. Louis is a small town, and a short ways out of town there used to be train tracks. Where the tracks used to be, there have been sightings of a bright train light coming towards you. Ooh, this sounds awesome. (laughs) People have also seen a smaller light below the brighter light. There's obviously no train, and they've studied the cause, and it has never been able to be explained. Anyways, it's a pretty popular party spot growing up for the most. I uh, live a short ways away from uh, St. Louis, so I uh, have also been out there a number of times without ever seeing the light. Although one night on my birthday, a friend and I went out there and drank a couple beers. He parked his car on the tracks, quote-unquote, and we just sat there and listened to some music. Then suddenly... We could see a light coming around the bend of trees until it was a huge, bright ball of light. It faded out and would come back to full brightness, but never actually reaching us. It's pretty cool, and I was happy to have finally been able to see it for myself. It's since been blocked off, still accessible by foot if you know where you're going. I notice you guys like researching stuff, and there's some pretty good videos out there of it. Anyways, keep up the great work. Can't wait for more. Hoping you enjoyed my story, but I mean... Uh, worst case Ontario, uh, Ontario, you hated it, huh? Ricky says worst case Ontario. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, it's a Rickyism. I didn't. I don't remember. Step up your TPD. My t- <laughs> I don't. I don't remember that one. Yeah. Worst case Ontario. Worst case Ontario. That's what he says. Oh, I. I that's one I never caught. Mm-hmm. I've learned a new one. Totoso. There's a new season of it coming out uh, later this month. I'm very excited. I had to throw in a Rickyism. He says, "Smiley face." Okay, thank you so much for uh, for that. Really, uh, really do appreciate that. Good story. Yeah, I'm gonna go YouTube that tomorrow if I'm bored at any point in the day, which I probably won't be, but uh, I'll, I'll make some time. Yeah, I want to see that because what strikes me is the fact that the light comes around the bend yeah. and follows the tracks. It's not just like a straight shot. I think that's like a residual type thing. Probably when you have that. Just that, I mean, it's, it's a lot of energy being expelled, not from a human, but from an uh, energy in general. Energy is energy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of it that would have been on those tracks. I love walking down abandoned train tracks. Yeah. I have always loved that since I was a little kid. There was like a couple in my old neighborhood that we could kind of find. And I'd always beg my aunt to take me back there to walk around and check it out. And uh, I know there's a highway built on it, but... Um, but I, I loved it. It's just, it's just I don't know why. I, I always love trains and the ab- abandoned train tracks. Uh, fun stuff. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. 
Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to call in and share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you write it on the website as well, realghoststoriesonline.com. If you like the show, please help us keep it on the air and support it. Become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. When you sign up on the website, it's only five bucks a month. You get access to our back archive of EPP episodes, exclusive shows only that go to the EPPs, full hour-long episodes, 27 of them all in total right now. You get all of those and then, of course, access to the brand new ones that come out every single week. We email email those to you. So please support the show. Help keep us on the air. Like I said, only five bucks a month and we do greatly appreciate that. Check it out, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. 